Section 6 of an essay concerning human understanding. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Malone. An Essay Concerning Human Understanding by John Locke. Other Considerations Concerning Innate Principles. Chapter 3. 17. Odd, Low, and Pitiful Ideas of God Common Among Men. This was evidently the case of all gentilism, nor hath even amongst Jews, Christians, and Mohammedans, who acknowledge but one God, this doctrine, and the care taken in those nations to teach men to have true notions of a God, prevailed so far as to make men to have the same and the true ideas of him. How many, even amongst us, will be found upon inquiry to fancy him in the shape of a man sitting in heaven, and to have many other absurd and unfit conceptions of him? Christians, as well as Turks, have had whole sects owning and contending earnestly for it, that the deity was corporeal and of human shape. And though we find few now amongst us who profess themselves anthropomorphites, though some I have met with that own it, yet I believe he that will make it his business may find amongst the ignorant and uninstructed Christians many of that opinion. Talk but with country people, almost of any age, or young people almost of any condition, and you shall find that, though the name of God be frequently in their mouths, yet the notions they apply this name to are so odd, low, and pitiful, that nobody can imagine they were taught by a rational man, much less that they were characters written by the finger of God himself nor do I see how it derogates more from the goodness of God that he has given us minds unfurnished with his ideas of himself, than that he hath sent us into the world with bodies unclothed, and that there is no art or skill born with us. For being fitted with faculties to attain these, it is want of industry and consideration in us, and not of bounty in him, if we have them not. It is as certain that there is a God as that the opposite angles made by the intersection of two straight lines are equal. There was never any rational creature that set himself sincerely to examine the truth of these propositions, that could fail to assent to them though yet it be past doubt that there are many men who, having not applied their thoughts that way, are ignorant both of the one and the other. If any one think fit to call this, which is the utmost of its extent, universal consent, such an one I easily allow, but such as an universal consent as this proves not the idea of God, any more than it does the idea of such angles, innate. 18. 
if the idea of God be not innate, no other can be supposed innate. Since then, though the knowledge of a God be the most natural discovery of human reason, yet the idea of him is not innate, as I think is evident from what has been said, I imagine there will be scarce any other idea found that can pretend to it, since if God has set any impression, any character, on the understanding of men, it is most reasonable to expect it should have been some clear and uniform idea of himself, as far as our weak capacities were capable to receive so incomprehensible and infinite an object. But our minds, being at first void of that idea which we are most concerned to have, it is a very strong presumption against all other innate characters. I must own, as far as I can observe, I can find none, and would be glad to be informed by any other. 19. Idea of Substance Not Innate I confess there is another idea which would be of general use for mankind to have, as it is of general talk, as if they had it, and that is the idea of substance, which we neither have nor can have by sensation or reflection. If nature took care to provide us any ideas, we might well expect they should be such as, by our own faculties, we cannot procure to ourselves. But we see, on the contrary, that since by those ways whereby other ideas are brought into our minds, this is not, we have no such clear idea at all, and therefore signify nothing by the word substance, but only an uncertain supposition of we know not what, that is, of something whereof we have no idea, which we take to be the substratum or support of those ideas we do have. 20. No propositions can be innate, since no ideas are innate. Whatever, then, we talk of innate, either speculative or practical principles, it may be with as much probability be said that a man hath one hundred pounds sterling in his pocket and yet denied that he hath there either penny, shilling, crown, or other coin, out of which the sum is to be made up. As to think that certain propositions are innate, when the ideas about which they are can by no means be supposed to be so. The general reception and assent that is given doth not at all prove that the ideas expressed in them are innate, for in many cases, however the ideas came there, the assent to words expressing the agreement or disagreement of such ideas will necessarily follow. Everyone that hath a true idea of God and worship will assent to this proposition that God is to be worshipped when expressed in a language he understands. And every rational man that hath not thought on it to-day may be ready to assent to this proposition to-morrow, and yet 
Millions of men may be well supposed to want one or both these ideas today. For if we will allow savages and most country people to have ideas of God and worship, which conversation with them will not make one forward to believe, yet I think few children can be supposed to have those ideas, which, therefore, they must begin to have some time or other, and then they will also begin to assent to that proposition, and make very little question of it ever after. But such an assent upon hearing no more proves the ideas to be innate than it does that one born blind, with cataracts which will be couched to-morrow, had the innate ideas of the sun, or light, or saffron, or yellow, because when his sight is cleared he will certainly assent to this proposition that the sun is lucid, or that saffron is yellow. And therefore, if such an assent upon hearing cannot prove the ideas innate, it can much less the propositions made up of those ideas. If they have any innate ideas, I would be glad to be told what and how many they are. 21. No innate ideas in the memory. To which let me add, if there be any innate ideas, any ideas in the mind, which the mind does not actually think on, they must be lodged in the memory, and from thence must be brought into view by remembrance, i.e. must be known, when they are remembered, to have been perceptions in the mind before, unless remembrance can be without remembrance. For to remember is to perceive anything with memory, or with the consciousness that it was perceived or known before. Without this, whatever idea comes into the mind is new and not remembered. This consciousness of its having been in the mind before, being that which distinguishes remembering from all other ways of thinking, whatever idea was never perceived by the mind was never in the mind. Whatever idea is in the mind is either an actual perception or else having been an actual perception, is so in the mind that, by the memory, it can be made an actual perception again. Whenever there is the actual perception of any ideas without memory, the idea appears perfectly new and unknown before to the understanding. Whenever the memory brings any idea into actual view, it is with the consciousness that it had been there before, and was not wholly a stranger to the mind. Whether this be not so, I appeal to everyone's observation, and then I desire an instance of an idea, pretended to be innate, which, before any impression of it by ways hereafter to be mentioned, any one could revive and remember as an idea he had formerly known, without which consciousness of a former perception there is no remembrance, and whatever idea comes into the mind without that consciousness is not remembered, or comes not out of the memory, nor can be said to be in the mind before that appearance. 
for what is not either actually in view or in the memory is in the mind no way at all, and is all one as if it had never been there. Suppose a child had the use of his eyes till he knows and distinguishes colors, but then cataracts shut the windows and he is forty or fifty years perfectly in the dark, and in that time perfectly loses all memory of the ideas of colors he once had. This was the case of a blind man I once talked with, who lost his sight by the smallpox when he was a child, and had no more notion of colors than one born blind. I ask whether anyone can say this man had then any ideas of colors in his mind, any more than one born blind. And I think nobody will say that either of them had in his mind any ideas of colors at all. His cataracts are couched, and then he has the ideas, which he remembers not, of colors, de novo, by his restored sight, conveyed to his mind, and that without any consciousness of a former acquaintance, and these now he can revive and call to mind in the dark. In this case, all these ideas of colors, which, when out of view, can be revived with the consciousness of a former acquaintance, being thus in the memory, are said to be in the mind. The use I make of this is that whatever idea, being not actually in view, is in the mind, is there only by being in the memory, and if it be not in the memory, it is not in the mind, and if it be in the memory, it cannot by the memory be brought into actual view without a perception that it comes out of the memory, which is this, that it had been known before and is now remembered. If, therefore, there be any innate ideas, they must be in the memory, or else nowhere in the mind. And if they be in the memory, they can be revived without any impression from without. And whenever they are brought into the mind, they are remembered, that is, they bring with them a perception of their not being wholly new to it this being a constant and distinguishing difference between what is and what is not in the memory or in the mind. That what is not in the memory, whenever it appears there, appears perfectly new and unknown before, and what is in the memory or in the mind, whenever it is suggested by the memory, appears not to be new, but the mind finds it in itself and knows it was there before. By this way it may be tried whether there be any innate ideas in the mind before impression from sensation or reflection. I would fain meet with the man who, when he came to the use of reason, or at any other time, remembered any of them, and to whom, after he was born, they were never new. If any one will say there are ideas in his mind that are not in the memory, I desire him to explain himself and make what he says intelligible. 22. Principles not innate, because of little use or little certainty. Besides what I have already said, there is another reason why I doubt that 
Neither these nor any other principles are innate. I that am fully persuaded that the infinitely wise God made all things in perfect wisdom cannot satisfy myself why he should be supposed to print upon the minds of men some universal principles whereof those that are pretended innate and concern speculation are of no great use and those that concern practice not self-evident and neither of them distinguishable from some other truths not allowed to be innate for to what purpose should characters be graven on the mind by the finger of god which are not clearer there than those which are afterwards introduced or cannot be distinguished from them if any one thinks there are such innate ideas and propositions which by their clearness and usefulness are distinguishable from all that is adventitious in the mind and acquired it will not be a hard matter for him to tell us which they are and then every one will be a fit judge whether they be so or no since if there be knowledge every one will find it true in himself of the evidence of these supposed innate maxims i have spoken already of their usefulness i shall have occasion to speak more hereafter twenty three difference of men's discoveries depends upon the different application of their faculties to conclude some ideas forwardly offer themselves to all men's understanding and some sorts of truths result from any ideas as soon as the mind puts them into propositions and other truths require a train of ideas placed in order a due comparing of them and deductions made with attention before they can be discovered and assented to some of the first sort because of their general and easy reception have been mistaken for innate but the truth is ideas and notions are no more born with us than arts and sciences though some of them indeed offer themselves to our faculties more readily than others and therefore are more generally received though that too be according as the organs of our bodies and powers of our minds happen to be employed god having fitted men with faculties and means to discover receive and retain truths according as they are employed the great difference that is to be found in the notions of mankind is from the different use they put their faculties to while some and those the most taking things upon trust misemploy their power of assent by lazily enslaving their minds to the dictates and dominion of others in doctrines which it is their duty carefully to examine and not blindly with an implicit faith to swallow others employing their thoughts only about some few things grow acquainted sufficiently with them attain great degrees of knowledge in them and are ignorant of all other having never let their thoughts loose in the search of other inquiries 
Thus, that the three angles of a triangle are quite equal to two right ones is a truth as certain as anything can be, and I think more evident than many of those propositions that go for principles. And yet there are millions, however expert in other things, who know not this at all, because they never set their thoughts on work about such angles. And he that certainly knows this proposition may yet be utterly ignorant of the truth of other propositions in mathematics itself, which are as clear and evident as this, because in his search of those mathematical truths he stopped his thoughts short and went not so far. The same may happen concerning the notions we have of the being of a deity, for though there be no truth which a man may more evidently make out to himself than the existence of a god, yet he that shall content himself with things as he finds them in this world, as they minister to his pleasures and passions, and not make inquiry a little further into their causes, ends, and admirable contrivances, and pursue the thoughts thereof, with diligence and attention, may live long without any notion of such a being. And if any person hath by talk put such a notion into his head, he may perhaps believe it. But if he hath never examined it, his knowledge of it will be no perfecter than his, who having been told that the three angles of a triangle are equal to two right ones, takes it upon trust, without examining the demonstration, and may yield his assent as a probable opinion, but hath no knowledge of the truth of it, which yet his faculties, if carefully employed, were able to make clear and evident to him. But this only, by the way, to show how much our knowledge depends upon the right use of those powers nature hath bestowed upon us, and how little upon such innate principles as are in vain supposed to be in all mankind for their direction, which all men could not but know if they were there, or else they would be there to no purpose, and which, since all men do not know, nor can distinguish from other adventitious truths, we may well conclude there are no such. 24. Men must think and know for themselves. What censure doubting thus of innate principles may deserve from men, who will be apt to call it pulling up the old foundations of knowledge and certainty, I cannot tell. I persuade myself at least that the way I have pursued, being conformable to truth, lays those foundations surer. Thus I am certain I have not made it my business either to quit or follow any authority in the ensuing discourse. Truth has been my only aim, and wherever that has appeared to lead, my thoughts have impartially followed, without minding whether the footsteps of any other lay that way or not. Not that I want to do respect to other men's opinions, but after all, the greatest reverence is due to truth, 
and I hope it will not be thought arrogance to say that perhaps we should make greater progress in the discovery of rational and contemplative knowledge if we sought it in the fountain, in the consideration of things themselves, and made use rather of our own thoughts than other men's to find it. For I think we may as rationally hope to see with other men's eyes as to know by other men's understandings, so much as we ourselves consider and comprehend of truth and reason, so much we possess of real and true knowledge. The floating of other men's opinions in our brains makes us not one jot the more knowing, though they happen to be true. What in them was science is in us but opiniatrity, whilst we give up our assent only to reverend names, and do not, as they did, employ our own reason to understand those truths which gave them reputation. Aristotle was certainly a knowing man, but nobody ever thought him so because he blindly embraced and confidently vented the opinions of another. And if the taking up of another's principles without examining them made not him a philosopher, I suppose it will hardly make anybody else so. In the sciences, everyone has so much as he really knows and comprehends. What he believes only, and takes upon trust, are but shreds, which, however well in the whole piece, make no considerable addition to his stock who gathers them. Such borrowed wealth, like fairy money, though it were gold in the hand from which he received it, will be but leaves and dust when it comes to use. 25. Whence the opinion of innate principles. When men have found some general propositions that could not be doubted of as soon as understood, it was, I know, a short and easy way to conclude them innate. This being once received, it eased the lazy from the pains of search, and stopped the inquiry of the doubtful concerning all that was once styled innate. And it was of no small advantage to those who affected to be masters and teachers to make this the principle of principles, that principles must not be questioned. For having once established this tenet, that there are innate principles, it put their followers upon a necessity of receiving some doctrines as such, which was to take them off from the use of their own reason and judgment, and put them on believing and taking them upon trust without further examination, in which posture of blind credulity they might be more easily governed by and made useful to some sort of men who had the skill and office to principle and guide them. Nor is it a small power it gives one man over another to have the authority to be the dictator of principles and teacher of unquestionable truths, and to make a man swallow that for an innate principle which may serve to his purpose who teaches them. Whereas, had they examined the ways whereby men came to the knowledge of many universal truths, they would have found them to result in the minds of men 
from the being of things themselves, when truly considered, and that they were discovered by the application of those faculties that were fitted by nature to receive and judge of them, when duly employed about them. 26. Conclusion To show how the understanding proceeds herein is the design of the following discourse, which I shall proceed to when I have first premised that hitherto, to clear my way to those foundations which I conceive are the only true ones, whereon to establish those notions we can have of our knowledge, it hath been necessary for me to give an account of the reasons I had to doubt of innate principles. And since the arguments which are against them do, some of them, rise from common received opinions, I have been forced to take several things for granted, which is hardly avoidable to any one whose task is to show the falsehood or improbability of any tenet. It happening in controversial discourses, as it does in assaulting of towns, where, if the ground be but firm whereon the batteries are erected, there is no further inquiry of whom it is borrowed, nor whom it belongs to, so it affords but a fit rise for the present purpose. But in the future part of this discourse, designing to raise an edifice uniform and consistent with itself, as far as my own experience and observation will assist me, I hope to erect it on such a basis that I shall not need to shore it up with props and buttresses, leaning on borrowed or begged foundations, or at least, if mine prove a castle in the air, I will endeavor it shall be all of a piece and hang together, wherein I warn the reader not to expect undeniable cogent demonstrations, unless I may be allowed the privilege, not seldom assumed by others, to take my principles for granted, and then, I doubt not, but I can demonstrate too. All that I shall say for the principles I proceed on is that I can only appeal to men's own unprejudiced experience and observation, whether they be true or not, and this is enough for a man who professes no more than to lay down candidly and freely his own conjectures concerning a subject lying somewhat in the dark, without any other design than an unbiased inquiry after truth. End of section 6. Reading by Malone.